yourselves. This is the Night Owls Disc Golf Podcast. This is Shane. And I'm JP. We are a Disc Golf Answer Man Network podcast. So, I am currently in Vegas right now. Whoa. Isn't that amazing? Mind-blowing. <laughs> and I am... Where's your DeLorean? I am, I'm on second card, about to tee off on the second day, right now, as this podcast airs. Whoa. I know. Amazing. <laughs> and there's like all kinds of talk about me because I've aced a yeah. couple holes. Okay. Yeah. Man, this is some Donnie Darko, like, <laughs> through the wormhole kind of experience. Exactly. Isn't it? Right I know. I'm, I'm trying to think of what other cool stuff I can say. Um, I finally um, threw a disc 600 feet. That was pretty cool, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then um, they actually pulled a um, camera from Jomez just to watch me. Wow. I know. It's amazing. It's amazing. Amazing. <laughs> so with all that nonsense out of the way, um, we are recording this prior to me leaving for Las Vegas to uh, play in the Las Vegas Challenge. So this is pre-recorded, um, and we already made our choices for last week on the picks for Vegas. Um or last week's episode for right. Picks for Vegas. So what we're going to do is kind of give a shorter um, thing. So we're going to skip um, what we bought because we didn't buy anything. We just talked about oh, it. I did. Ooh, my kids from coaching did get me a gift card to DoorDesk. So I oh, probably will use it for something. Beautiful. Iron Samurais. We'll see. <laughs> Ledgestone. They won't be throwers. <laughs> they won't be. Okay, okay. I'll, I'll save it for the Ledgestone stuff. I probably. Like, good job. Good yeah. job. Um and you got those Nike. We got to mention the Nike Blazers. Oh, yeah. Those were pretty sweet. I Yeah. I won those on Sneakers app the other day. Like, I had set a reminder, but my phone didn't remind me. I was like, I don't know if I really want them. And so I just, like, went on, on the raffle with about 20 seconds to go, not thinking anything would happen. I ended up hitting on them. And so they're pretty cool. They have this really – if you go on my Instagram, I made a – a reel about them. They have this really audacious, like heel clip. That, yeah, that back strap yeah. or whatever it is. Or and crazy. so you can take that off, but oh, like it okay. still leaves like this weird plastic thing. But it has another color, like yellowish highlighter yellow clip. I can put on the back if I want. Yeah, there's some other. There's another color. It was um, maroon with like a yellow swoosh and like blue accents that I probably should have gone with. But I like these black ones. Are these um, collector shoes? Like, don't crease them. Um, I mean, they could be to some people. I mean, they're not as collectible as Jordans. Uh, right. But they're still, they were a collab with this company called Acronym, who's kind of like a streetwear company. Okay. And so, yeah, I mean, they're probably mildly collectible. Okay. Okay. It, it's crazy. Like, the Air Forces and, like, uh, like sneakerheads are awesome people yeah i love the shoes but man that that whole uh lifestyle is crazy right like the amount of shoes that people have and so are you a sneakerhead or no um ish how do i put it i'm i would say i used to be really big into sneakers okay um i've never like i've never gone on to the secondary market to like a stock x or something like that to get sneakers because I think they're marked up way too high. Oh, sure. But I do have quite a few pairs that are easily a couple hundred dollars more than what I've paid. Really? Yeah. Like I have a number of Jordans where they're worth, I know I for sure have a pair of Jordans that are two to $400 more than what I paid. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Like I, I love sneakers. I love shoes. Um, Cause growing up we didn't have money at yeah. all. So shoes were pay less and you know, Kmart and that's where I got my shoes. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember the very first time my brother, once again, six years older than me, he saved his money and bought Jordans. Okay. And these were 89s maybe nineties. Um, they were still the Chicago. They were yeah. red and black and they were kind of a standard air force one look. So it was sure. kind of that standard traditional, like 83s almost. They, okay. they were very similar to those. Okay. And I remember he bought some 
And I was like, I was so up in arms with my mom because she wouldn't allow me to buy any. We were in the Palm Springs Mall because I lived in California at the time. We were in the Palm Springs Mall. And once again, we just didn't have money like that. That was not the, the way we lived. And when I got older, I started buying crazy shoes. Um, because I had money, finally. Yeah, I yeah. fortunately was successful enough in my life that I started. But I never got into the sneakerhead thing. Yeah. I, but I could see myself very easily becoming a sneakerhead. Yeah. Like, the the amount of money I've wanted to spend on sneakers versus the money I can is, like, I'm like, yeah, I can't afford these. I can't afford that. I really want them. Right. But, yeah, it's just I got to tell myself, like, no, <laughs> like I need diapers for Lulu or something yeah. like that. Like, you know, you just have to put things in perspective. And there's times too where I've entered raffles for stuff, not thinking I would win. And I'm like, you oh are the God. winningest raffle person I know. I don't, eh, I don't I'm, know. I, I don't think I've ever won a raffle. I've like the very first time I ever went on the sneakers app was for. What was it for? I'll go look real real quick because I can bring up my history really fast. Okay. Um, It's for a pair of Jordans that, oh, it was was a pair of Jordan 3s. Tinker Hatfield, who's a shoe designer for for Nike for Jordan, Mm -hmm. he um, was, there was a Jordan release. And so that was the very first sneaker I won on sneakers, sneaker app. And it was around $200. (laughs) But so by one, this kind of an eBay sneaker app is kind of like an eBay. No, it's so like what you do is no, you still have to enter like so. The the sneaker is actually set for a certain amount of money. Like you're actually going to pay. You have to give your credit card and everything. Okay. But what happens is you put your name in, you submit your information, and there's a timer and everything that runs down. And there's only so, certain amount of pairs in your size uh, and in your see, in that okay. style. And so it's like, not a first come first serve. It's mm-hmm. just raffle like. You pay for these shoes. If you get them, you get them. If you don't, sometimes it is, and then sometimes there is like a first come first serve. Oh, okay. Situation like I have gotten into situations where I've missed by like maybe a couple seconds getting in line, and it's like you're in line, and then it's like oh you didn't get them. Sure. So, but yeah, so there's quite a few pairs that I've. Yeah, I'm looking at a screen here. It's probably like. 15 to 20 pair, maybe more than that. No, no. that's about no. It's 10 to 12, maybe, maybe a little more than that. Come but. on, <laughs> as he says that, he flicks the screen and like seven more appear. No, I, I, um, I, I've gotten lucky, yeah. So yeah. that's awesome. Well, but those are cool shoes. I mean, when you were looking at them, I was like, man, those are really audacious shoes. Some of them are. But, well, the ones you just, like, the blazer. Yeah, those, right? are, those are. Yeah, those are really audacious shoes. And I'm like, man, would you would someone wear those? That's why I assumed you were a sneakerhead because of. Oh, I intend to wear them for sure. But, okay. um, yeah, like, my big my big favorites are Jordan, Jordan 4s and Jordan 3s. Those are my, those are the designs I like the best. Okay. Um, but, I've, I mean, I bought, I've bought in other basketball shoes that I've played in and like, but I still wear them out and about right and stuff like that. So yeah. 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 That's mine is uh hot wheels. Oh, but I only purchase trucks, only trucks. So okay. trucks like El Camino's Jeeps, like, like trucks. Like yeah. if you would, if a kid would say truck car, like trucks, trucks. those are the yeah. ones that I hmm. buy. I just have a fascination I've always had, I've been a truck guy almost yeah. my entire life. What about like, um, tracks? Did you, yeah, did you okay. get into the tracks? Like Hot Wheels tracks? Like you'd race your cars around or do anything like that? Or you just collect um, the cars? I was given a secondhand, like Hot Wheels track that had like motors and stuff in yeah. it. Yeah. Like way back in the day. Um, and it was, there was so much, it was so overwhelming. I never put it together. Okay. Cause it was like this huge set. Yeah. Um, I don't remember who it was. If it was my cousin or a friend or something, but it, we got it secondhand. We're like, hey, he doesn't use this anymore. Do you want it? Absolutely. I remember it sat under a bed for ever. We were living out like behind my grandfather's garage okay. in this little efficiency apartment thing. And it was just basically one room and then a bathroom. And that's basically all it was. It was like a sink, not even a full bathroom. We had to go inside the main house for the bathroom. 
and um, there was no room to set it up. Okay. And we lived in Blythe, California at the time, which is a, it's a desert town. Um, so I could have set it up outside, but I just never got around to it. And I think when my grandmother died and then my grandfather moved, that ended up being thrown away. That's sure. how long I had it. But yeah, um, my kid, now I bought him a cool track. Um, he doesn't use it either. Like oh. he set it up a couple times and played with it. It was probably like two or three months worth of, and now all of his Hot Wheels just sit in a bin. But yeah. he's always like, he. they've never tried to open my Hot Wheels. Like I have hundreds it's, you know, still in package. Oh, wow. Um, I used to have it hanging on a wall in our old house in Sister Bay. But when we built this place, I haven't found a place yet to put them up. I'm thinking about putting them up here. Uh-huh. Um, but they've never tried to open them. How far How far back do you, are they? I go back into the early 80s. Wow. Yeah, I have cars that are unwrapped, and then I have some cars before Hot Wheels started to become really collectible again. Uh-huh. I'd find them at like swap meets and just at boxes and boxes. I'm where you buy them for 50 cents a yep. car and I'm pulling out like these early eighties, like metal and I don't do matchbox only hot wheels. Okay. So, and when I say early eighties, so 85, I think I have some in the 81, 82 prior to me being born. Um, I have a couple in the seventies and then I have some old ones like where I found them when I was remodeling homes you know, like any of our properties or anything like that. And I find them in the walls or something like that. You know, I found some Crazy. at the, the old Goldsmith Gallery. Yeah. There were like three old Hot Wheels that were sitting up in this little cubby in the attic. It looked like an old, but it was a Boy Scout belt. There was all kinds of little things <laughs> in there. And I found it. I was like, this is cool. You know, it was like some marbles and yeah. some jacks. Like it was just like a kid's little hiding place. Like he was probably hiding it from his brother or sister sure. or something like that. Sure. Or however it went. But I found those and there were some Hot Wheels there. So Crazy. I was pretty excited about cool. that one. But yeah, so that's really the only thing that I collect. Well, and discs. And discs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Got a lot of those as well. But yeah. And I, <laughs> I guess firearms. Like I've, I've always been a sport shooter like Mm -hmm. i like targets and skeet and clay and all that stuff and i've I've loved that i've done that um so i have you know firearms in that regard but i I wouldn't say collect them you know i have the ones i shoot and that's really well i guess i have more than that but (laughs) (laughs) but it's all like inheritance and things like that too so um so Speaking of disruptions, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, so we talk about the power of disruption in disc golf and on all different avenues. So I brought up a couple tournaments. So DDO, USDGC, and now just the All-Star Weekend. Mm. Dogs barking in every single one of them. Yeah. And disruptive, truly disruptive, not like... I hate to point him out, but not like Nico LaCastro disruptive, like, like, or his disruptions that he claims and makes him take that long, like true disruptions, like dog barking on pivotal moments in time. And, you know, there's a famous one with Paul Macbeth. That That's was my dog barking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where they did like a disc article about it. Right. If I remember I rightly. Think so. Um, so what are the true powers of disruption in disc golf? Um, I can think of quite a few different disruptions. Um, so I want to talk about the disruptions and then I want to talk about actual, the feasibility that maybe it's not disruptions and just maybe a weak mind Sure. within players. So yeah. let's start with the disruptions themselves. So we talked about the dogs barking. Uh-huh. Um, what about other players on cards on the cards you're on? Right. And then, Fans, fan, yeah. Because you mean, think of the eight, eight holes or the yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, USDG, no, uh, Maple, Maple Hill. Hill. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you can hear them throughout the whole course. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's probably not as loud as you get further away, but you know, you can still hear it. Yeah. Um, you know, and any tournament you see, they've got the signs up. You know, we walk quiet. You know, and players are putting or you know approaching their shot. Um, you know, it used to be too, not anymore, wind rustling leaves or, you know, branches or anything like, right. you know, you the squirrel, your, the, yeah, you get your reset, but that, that no, no more, that's mm-hmm. not allowed anymore, you know, mm-hmm. and that would be an easy way, you know, you, you could just claim that that 
reset your mental clock for your 30 seconds, but now that's no longer available. Well, I I think, I think that claim was a little weak. I think there wasn't enough behind that rule. So it was either like either make it basketball or, (laughs) or go this direction where you define what it is. Yes. So (laughs) let's bring up basketball. Not only one of the best movies ever made, (laughs) (laughs) but the premise of being able to psych out your opponent, psych out your opponent. Yeah, man. Like I feel that we don't have to be golf. Right. And I know there's a lot of comparison and I don't like the comparison between having to be something or not, mm-hmm. you know, but we don't have to take everything from golf. I think there's some very appropriate things we can use and utilize from golf. And I think we are, but this whole like, professionalism and I'm throwing up the air quotes. You can see me do it, but they can't. Mm -hmm. I'm throwing up the air quotes of professionalism because is that truly professional? If there's no crowds, there's no chanting, there's no cheering, there's no eight holes, there's no, you know, like are those disruptions truly bad? Is there truly power behind them? Or are they just, or are they actually pretty good? Does it liven up the sport a bit like basketball? Yeah. Yeah. It was funny too, because, um, I think of Happy Happy Gilmore as yes. well. You know when Happy gets out on tour right. and everybody's yes, perfect like, perfect example, just row, you know, like rowdy around his card and you know, mm-hmm. shoot, Gammon's all, all yeah. frustrated and up in arms. This about, is not golf. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know, Happy's you know drinking beer, riding the pony, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> beating up Bob Barker. Actually, yeah. <laughs> he gets beat up by Bob Barker. Yeah. Spoiler alert, just so you know. Yeah, it's a, only a twenty-five-year-old I mean, movie. That. I mean, that's something I feel like disc golf could embrace, but as we're trying to move into a more, it's funny, that's, that's an image that we're trying to move away from, but I think we could also balance that between the professionalism and just having fun because it's a fun sport. Mm -hmm. And you just, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting excited about players and being, you know, the... And we've talked about it with Nico and Brody, and mm-hmm. I love their personalities. Yeah. And I love, you know, I love watching the tour, but I love watching the skins matches, the OTB matches, the mic'd up practice rounds, you know, with Jomez, with Yuli, and, and Germ. And what is it, the, the pro, the why, the Sexton one? What did they? Oh. Um, champs versus Chumps. Champs versus Chumps, yes. Yeah, I love that. There, I'm sure there's banter, you know, out on the course, mm-hmm. but they're not razzing each other like right. uh, that we know of, right? You know, whereas you know maybe Calvin's saying something to Kevin Jones on a card like, oh, you're gonna cage this putt, whatever, mm-hmm. blah blah. You know, there's still something on the line because it's a skins match, but they're out, you know, and they're out just being jovial with each other, having fun. Right. Like, I don't see anything wrong with that at all. Yeah, and. This is going to be something that you might be surprised that I'm going to say, but I think that's the one thing that I don't like about Paul. Let me clarify, okay. because I'm giving his foundation $10,000 plus whatever else I can raise this year, but I don't, I don't think he does any justice for the fun of the sport. Sure. Like, I don't think he promotes that well enough because of his killer mentality, like the win at all cost mentality, which that's also needed. Mm-hmm. And I think there's characters that need to be had across the spectrum. Yeah. But he is the most recognizable face in our sport. He's, I mean, by far the most popular person in our sport. Maybe not by far, but pretty handedly, he's mm-hmm. the most popular person in our sport. And he's the most. He's the face. He's the most influential. Yeah. He's the face. And I think Ricky's coming right in behind him. He's settling in there, especially with the Sports Illustrated articles mm-hmm. that just came out recently. Um, not that Sports Illustrated is even relevant anymore, but maybe they are, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what their followings and everything are, because I think Brody has more following than <laughs> Sports <laughs> Illustrated does at this point. Um, but uh, maybe still Ricky has more. a fair amount of them. Oh, are they really? Yeah. They still actually print a magazine? Oh, yeah. Huh. Wow. Yeah, kind of crazy. That is crazy to me. So anyway, yeah. After after showing you the magazine that I had. Yeah. Um, so I so I look at like Paul, I don't think he's doing anything wrong. I just think he's the stoic character yeah. in this novel. Yeah. You know. And I think we need to have more happy Gilmores. 
Like, I think we need to have more fun. I think we need to have more Brody Smith off course character on course. Mm -hmm. Because on course, Brody Smith is 100% about the game. Right. And I know Hannah is putting out more content. Like, she's got her own channel and Paul's got his channel, you know, on YouTube and things. Mm -hmm. Um, But they just did a... Maybe it was like a couple of weeks ago. They did a round with um, a doubles round with Greedy Shoe yeah, and, and um, Paige. Page. Yeah, and Paige. And so. And they got beat on the first round. Yeah. And then they came back with another video. But I, I didn't watch it too closely, but they people need to see that side of right. Paul Moore, mm-hmm. you know, not just the killer. And I think he gets out on other people's channels here and there and kind of does stuff, but just open up more <laughs> right right and maybe he's comfortable doing that maybe not um because like when he was doing a lot of the videos with the foundation guys you know when he was part of the found foundation disc golf yeah not the foundation public bath foundation mm-hmm. when he's part of the foundation disc golf you know when he was coming out of those like it was fun ish yeah but this last one with the shoes like it was good you could hear him like you know, talking crap with mm-hmm. Grady and, you know, BS in between them and stuff. And, um, and I think you saw that a little bit with the foundation guys. Yeah. It started to, or even um, the, the, um, the video with Simon when they're th- throwing each other, they had to throw different the lines. Other lines yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was pretty good yeah. too. And I love seeing that. And I think that's, it's kind of swinging back to that power of disruption. Like, I think that is something that we could see in the sport where, you get a little more lively. You get the crowds involved a bit more because the galleries are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and spectators and to continue to be like, Hey, don't do this. Like, cause when we play casual rounds and that's 90% of what disc golf is, man, it's so fun to BS with people and make fun of people. And you think you capture that stuff on camera. It's gold, Mm -hmm. but you do it normal. Like, people get super distracted and people get super huffy about it. And I understand it's for money. Yeah. I get that. But, and you're, you know, these folks are making their living off of it. So there are different circumstances, but why can't it be fun? Like, why can't it be hockey? Why can't we stack our beer cans on the boards? You know, like <laughs> baseball making the big uh, snakes with all the beer, <laughs> with all the cups. cups yeah. yeah. Like, why can't that stuff happen? That, that I think that stuff, it can still happen alongside of what's happening now. Mm-hmm. And there are going to be personalities. Like I remember sitting at the Atlanta Braves in the outfield. We were, we had done a, like a stadium tour on our way home, a college buddy of mine and he paid for all of it. Like I, I don't know if I ever truly said how thankful I was for that experience to Brad, but he allowed me to do that. Like it was awesome. We went from stadium to stadium and he never made me pay for anything. I bought a hat at every, like it was awesome. That's like, cool. One of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. And um, I remember sitting and I remember we were right on the wall in Atlanta and in the outfield and he's yelling. I don't remember who the player was, but they're just this banter going back and forth. And this, this outfielder was just giving it right back and forth. (laughs) And like, it was so fun because it was a side of baseball. I always thought baseball was so like, this is so boring, but being in the crowd made me enjoy it. Nice. Um, I don't think disc golf has that. Yeah, because I think it's that disruption. Well, that's, that's disrespectful. You're going to distract the players. Like, yeah, is it does it have to always be a hundred percent about the player, right? Or is it about the experience of the sport? Yeah, I mean that's that's why you go you go like for the experience. Like mm-hmm. that's the big part of going to see your favorite people is not just seeing them, but like experiencing everything around you. You want to have the you want you want it to be the most enjoyable experience you can possibly have. Right. And it, I mean it's different. I mean now you're playing MP40, but it's different as an am because I mean we're for the most part we're playing for funny money or you oh, know a yeah. trophy. It doesn't matter. Right. We've you know, already given our money away. Exactly. Like we're not getting it back. We're not getting it back. I get it. Yeah. And so, you know, to be able to joke on the card and, you know, mm-hmm. where you place doesn't always matter cuz there's nothing on the line really for us. Right. And I think that's, uh, this is going to be like a toting my own call, but like, I think the thing that I bring to a card, it's not amazing play. It's not, it's, it's the fun and it's the, you know, the, the easiness that it is to play around with me, mm-hmm. especially in competition. Cause I don't take a thing serious. And that's actually, I walk up to the card and I say, just so you know, I take nothing serious. 
And if I cross the line, you need to tell me. Sure. And you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't say bad words. That's just not my character. I don't say bad words. I'm not making improper jokes, nothing like that. I just don't take a thing seriously. And I might see a putt and be like, Hey, you got to get it up to put it in. You know, like I'll just constantly banter. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And I've had people say, Hey, stop. All right. No big deal. Right. Like it's not a big deal, but I think we got to have that ability to not let those disruptions, you know, have that much power. Yeah. And I think even in the pro side, like the dogs barking and stuff like that stuff, you can't control, but to make a big deal about it is a whole different story. Like this should never happen. It should, you know, or the Nico thing, like he's taking too much time. It's horrible. It's just right. No, no, he's not. You're the one. Well, he is. <laughs> yeah. Get back to that. He is. But you're the one allowing it to disrupt you. Like, why is it? So we'll get to this next point, mm-hmm. unless there's more you want to talk about. Um, well, no, I was just going to bring up the, um, I don't think I've ever had a bad card. I've maybe had hmm. a guy get a little testy about things. or But it wasn't because of anything a player had done it was more of him not playing well and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden he was distracted by something you know yep. and it got him on tilt but the rest of us were fine so it never it didn't bring the dynamic totally down yeah like i just had fun with the other guys <laughs> right right and i think i've had those experiences as well i'm glad you mentioned that because I, I there's two very specific examples where one time it never bothered me um and this was actually at, ironically enough, at LVC. I was playing with a younger gentleman, and it was him and his dad that were playing with me. Don't remember his name. I'm not going to call him out. I'm not going to describe him. But his play was not as good as he expected it to be. Mm-hmm. And um, he went on a tirade, like, F this, F that. Like, this is stupid, throwing stuff. And finally, mm-hmm. I, I was... I just decided, okay, I got to walk up to this guy because he kind of started to cling to me. And mm-hmm. I don't know why, but yeah, I walked up to this guy and I just said, hey, like, we all have these days. I understand it's Vegas. It's moving day. It's all this stuff. I go, but you cannot bring everybody else down. Like, that's not appropriate behavior. Yeah. And I go, if you keep doing this, we're going to have to um, call you on it. And he goes, well, fine, call me. I don't care. And I go, that, that's not the point of that rule it's just to keep you in check like hey you're starting to disrupt us and you're bringing our play down so we had this big conversation and he got really quiet and just stood in the back for a little while oh. and then he ended up coming up to me and be like hey man thank you very much i appreciate it i'm trying my best you know but his dad was just like it was the craziest thing to see this dynamic because i'm a father <laughs> i had a father <laughs> you know but to allow your son who i think was like 16 or 17 to go off the way he did. And the dad was playing or is he just, just with oh, okay. like a caddy basically. Yeah. Um, it was crazy to me and I'm not judging their family dynamic or his fathering or parenting ability or his, him being a son. I'm not doing any of that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, wow, it was crazy how this gentleman was acting. So that was one situation and it was truly getting to a point where it was distracting. Like other people on the card were like, we got to get away from him. Someone needs to say something. Can we get him kicked out? Like they were getting to that point. And I'm like, I'll go talk with him. No worries. Mm -hmm. And I walked over and talked to him. Um, And he was better, but he completely shut off at that point. Like he didn't want to be there. He was done. And he, he took a lot of penalty strokes, (laughs) a ton because just, he was just completely off his game. Um, But power of distraction, you know, in that regard. And the other time that I can remember, and this was at, am nationals i was on a card with the and i didn't play well the first day played pretty well the next couple days but um i didn't play well the first day in the card i was on it was the gentleman that recited all of his shots every single time he threw like like he would he would do the whole like 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 throw be like yeah that was an fd i meant to put it on heiser but it was and he just like go through his shot selection the entire time and this is the only time I've ever been distracted by another player in my 20 years. I couldn't get over, like, we saw it. Like, dude, we saw what yeah. happened. You didn't have to go through that. I didn't say anything because I didn't feel that it was appropriate. Other guys didn't. But it was one of those things, for some reason, I'm that guy that as I'm walking down the fairway, he comes up next to me and wants to recap these shots, <laughs> every single shot. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, we... Like, I didn't know what to do. 
And he was playing really well too. I think he ended up like doing finishing very well. Okay. But I'm just like, man, like I don't. And he's talking about like, well, yesterday I did this and it was this and that. And I was, oh my goodness. Like it got to me. It got to me. So talk about disruptions and other players. Like, I'm glad you brought that up. Like both of those things were just so like mind blowingly. But outside of that, like between those two situations, sure. We've had little situations here and there where Uh someone kicks a bag or something like that, but that's fine. Emotional is okay. I mean, the, the biggest distraction I had was this past year at Fall Classic. I think I brought this story up before. I was lining up a putt, probably like 15, 20 feet. And this guy, we, you're allowed to drive golf carts at the mm-hmm. tournament. And so this guy went back to the, his cart, and I'm just about to like release the disc. And he ends up getting on the golf cart and like floors it and like brings it up like kind of close, like up to circle's edge. And, like, right as I'm releasing, like, I hear the motor kind of kick up. I'm like, ah, oh, and I released it, and I just fell short, and I was so mad because it was a makeable putt. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, like, yeah. I, I, like, I wasn't, like, mad. Like, I was mad at the situation. I'm not really mad at him, but I should have made the putt. But, yeah, you know, that was a distraction where, like, mm-hmm. I didn't even think about resetting. I just went through my motions and that's yeah. what happened. And, you know, well, and you just kind of play through it. Yeah. There's a lot of discipline to resetting too. Yeah. And yeah. And that situation I feel like can be avoided obviously from the person that's starting it, but also if you're a little more used to distraction and stuff, you know, it's not just like church mouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I feel like you'd probably handle that situation a bit better, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think I've been in the same situations and now like I talk through my throws. Like sometimes I'll just be chatting with somebody and I'll putt yeah. while I'm chatting with somebody. I don't know if I've ever done that in tournament. Well, maybe I have. I don't know. But yeah, that's and that's unfortunate and that sucks when that stuff happens. Those legitimate disruptions, like, and that's just mindfulness of the people you're playing with. It's just not there. Yeah, that sucks. I think I was a distraction once. I was at a tournament and. uh we were walking by, we were watching FPO. I was with Jordan at DDO, and uh, Jen Allen was putting at the time. And I like, I turned to like look at him or do something, and she's like, "He's like, dude, you have to stay still." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> you Just, told me the story because she was putting, and like I didn't realize it at first. And he's like, "She's putting." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> so like I got real still, and then like my mouth got real tight. I was like, "Hey, can I, can I, can I, can I talk like this?" You know, like, and I, I don't remember if she made it or not. So sorry, Jen Allen, if you if you didn't, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I've been in those situations too, where you're just there spectating, and then you realize you're just like right in the line of yeah. And you're like, so do I stand here awkwardly? Is that worse yeah. than actually moving out of the way? And that's how exactly how I felt. I was like, I just feel really <laughs> awkward just standing here. If I could have just moved about twenty feet to like the right yeah. or left, I would have felt a little better about it. Yeah. Who was it? Um, Jordan, I think, was the one that he got told, like, hey, quiet down. Who was it that did that to him? I wish he was here. He could tell the story. Um, anyways, he was at an event spectating, was BSing. I think it was at with Caden. Okay. And I think <laughs> someone, like, looked back and, like, and it's on video. Like, it's on the coverage. You can see him, like, hey. And then they mentioned something about the crowd being a little rowdy. And that was Jordan. <laughs> Jordan and Caden, I believe, oh my that gosh, did that's that. Hilarious. Uh, he'll be able to correct me once he hears this. But man, that I, I thought I was like, of course it was you guys. <laughs> like, and they're both the most jovial, happy, like kind, like, and it destroyed both of them that they were those Ooh, guys. Yeah. You know, they were just so disappointed about it. But yeah, <laughs> it's just so funny. Okay, so let's talk about the mental fortitude mm-hmm. of players. So my humble opinion is. So I had a coach in high school that was an old Marine and he had a saying for the team that was, if you don't want someone else to decide the game, play better. So he was specifically, I changed it a little bit. He was specifically talking about refs. If you don't want the refs to decide the game, Mm -hmm. play better. Um, And that stuck with me for a long time because it wasn't, don't let refs decide the game. It was the meaning behind what he said sure. as don't let someone else define your actions. Just 
be better. Mm-hmm. And I know that's easier said than done. Like just be better. Like that's that like hardcore dad that says, yeah. just be better kid. Like, okay, what does that mean? So in my mind, that means when you are playing a tournament round or a, um, it's just a regular Raz round with your buddies. Like I think adapting those skills and taking your game seriously all the time while still being able to have fun and have those distractions around you is only going to make your mental fortitude that much better when you're on the course doing those things. Yeah. And that was kind of what I mentioned to you about the disc golf cart coming in when you were talking about the, or the disc golf cart. Yeah. It was a disc golf mm-hmm. cart that day, but the golf cart coming in, um, I feel that it is just truly a sign of mental weakness. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's speaking of the rough situation this year, basketball coaching kids, basketball. So I would coach and I'd sit and watch like another grade play. Mm-hmm. And when things got, you know, down or, you know, the team was up and all of a sudden they catch a bad break, man, these refs suck. Blah, blah, blah. Exactly. It's like, no, you need to understand that the refs aren't the problem. They're going to make those calls anyway. Mm-hmm. You have to rise above and play beyond you know you you have to understand that they're going to make those calls and right. like you're not getting them you gotta keep playing and you know that, that's hard to do but Alyssa and i we talk about this quite a bit with professional sports and you know what it takes to be like the goat or whatever mm-hmm. you know you're play on the court or you know field whatever your sport you're playing you're there because you know you have the ability mm-hmm. what separates you being the goat or being the top of your sport is that mental aspect. And that comes with, you know, checking yourself, whatever it is, you know, being able to weed out the distractions around you, all that. Clear the mechanism. Yeah. What movie was that? I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, like that's, that's what separates pros from amps is that Mm -hmm. mental toughness, understanding the situation or whatever you're placed in and being able to rise above that right and so not to take anything away from um who's the um olympic athlete simone biles or was simone that simone biles yeah right because she, of that mental she yeah she took a men- mental she, was, yeah. she said she was mentally distracted mm-hmm. and i'm i don't want to put anything on that because it is becoming a very hot topic nowadays like people do get mentally stressed about, oh, about things like i i suffer from anxiety a bit Mm-hmm. Um, I've had panic attacks quite a bit, but being able to be the best and maybe it's just something they couldn't overcome, like to be the go, like to be the best at what you're the best at, you have to have that mental toughness. And that means compartmentalizing mm-hmm. whatever that is and understanding, Hey, I need to shut this off and be me. Like I know what I'm capable of and just ride it up. Right. Right. And so there's an example of, and I just use my example. So uh, I mentioned that I, I did sports shooting. Mm-hmm. So in trap or skeet, you can pull off a shot. So just because the pigeon flies, as far as the clay target flies, it doesn't mean that you have to shoot it in certain realms. So it doesn't count as like, hey, you can let targets go. Um, there's only a certain amount you can do. I won't get into the details, but one of the hardest things in trap shooting um, is hard to pull off a target. Once a target flies, especially if it's it's a broken bird, so it's a dud, so it actually comes out and the clay target's already broken and it wobbles or flies, or you just didn't get your beat on it properly. You're just not pulling the right way. Maybe you misjudged where it was coming from, whatever the case may be. But one of the hardest things is just to pull down off of it and pull another. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that is is, over time, you just get used to, okay, it didn't go right. This is what it's supposed to be. It's not going to throw me off my game. I'm just going to reset and step back over the ball. And it's the same thing like in golf. Like, hey, you go to set up, and then all of a sudden your mind goes somewhere else. Pull yourself off that ball. You know, reset yourself and come back to it. Um, and I think that's, like you said, the best in the world can do those things. Mm-hmm. And it translates to all sports. And that's why I wanted to use the, the, the sports shooting was with – trap some of the best shooters that we had out there were individuals that could do that no problem just pull off no big deal set back up sure you know it begs it begs an interesting question in in disc golf you know like baseball 
you know, when a batter's in the box and the pitcher's, you know, about to get in the windup or whatever, you know, they can step out, take time. Mm-hmm. Could we see disc golf, like, time out? Like, right. You know, like, could that ever be implemented where you're, like, you're getting there and you're, like, obviously, like, because you're not allowed to use that distraction anymore. If they're just, like, time out, you know, mental check, mm-hmm. get back to it, whatever. Yeah. You know. I mean, I would like to see that because that's all, that's also part of the game, too. And I think that's why when we had the di- the discussion about Nico and, you know, some of the more controversial players in the sport. But Nico specifically, we talked about, is it gamesmanship mm-hmm. that he's actually using the rules of the sport to his advantage, specifically calling a timeout before a kick or stepping out of the batter's box? You know, I mean, you're you're trying to ice somebody mm-hmm. in that regard. And is that the same thing? And being able to use those things, I mean, it's very important to be able to do that. The proper timeout in a football game can be the difference between winning or losing. Yep. Um, and the proper stepping out outside the batter's box can be the difference between a strike or a ball, you know? Um, so I guess when you look at the realm of disc golf and distractions, I think there needs to be something like that because I, I, I think – with disruptions are going to happen. So you should be able to step off the ball, Mm -hmm. recollect yourself and come back to it, which I think is appropriate what they have right now. But I think it could also be used as a tool. Yeah. As in, I know we're tied. I'm three feet further out than the guy that I'm need to be tied with. And he's getting himself ready. If I step off this, I know I can still make that putt, but is it going to give him a little more time to think about the reasons he's going to miss it? Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, and I think that could be said for player dynamics, like the Paul and Ricky back in the day, Paul didn't think that Ricky had mental fortitude and he probably could have used that to his advantage Mm -hmm. at that point. So especially after it came out in that LA article where he actually called him out and said he doesn't finish. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was pretty big. Um, But yeah, so I think, I think there's a lot of different avenues we can use for disruptions. But like you said, that whole, I'm not judging anybody's mental capacities or the situation they're going through in their life or telling anybody they're less of a person because they can't block that mechanism. I like the Simone Biles thing, you know, we'll get back to that. Like, I'm not saying she's any less of a competitor. She's probably one of the best gymnasts that the United States have ever seen. She just needed some time. Mm-hmm. No big deal. That's fine. I'm not judging her for that. But does that take her out of the goat? Right. You know, like you said. Yeah. And I think the same thing with a lot of individuals. We all need those breaks. If it happens during a competition, it could affect you mm-hmm. in the long run. So, yeah. Those choices all have consequences. Yeah. And that's not even, you know, that breaks the surface a little bit on the outside of, um, you know, the out, the, pressures we face outside of the actual competition, you know, what mm-hmm. weighs down on us, you know, we might be thinking about right. someone I think about when Ricky's sister had passed, how he flew to go see her before, you know, she eventually passed and came back and competed at DDO and, and like did very well. Did very well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he had a hot round mm-hmm. and, you know, so he did, but he also had the final round was one of the worst rounds. Yeah. You know, and I, think that all had something to do with it. Absolutely. It all had something to do with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if I have much else to hammer out there. So, yeah, I don't know. but so there you go. Power disruption. So you think about it in that way. Um, Jordan's question. We did get another one from yeah. him. So this one I, I like, not that I didn't like the last one, but this one is, has the potential to be much funnier. Yeah. Um, who is the best dancer on tour? Hmm. <laughs> so okay. Jordan, his answer was Emerson Keith for his little cart scoot move. <laughs> <laughs> what was that in? What um, was it a Jomez hole preview or something like that? Yeah, I think so. Where he's like dancing and scooting on the cart, and everybody's dancing in the background. Yeah, I remember and he's seeing just that. scooting across in front. So. <laughs> That's what Jordan's referring to as Emerson, Emerson's Keith cart scoot. Could you be like the cart scoot boogie? Yeah. <laughs> was that? Um, Kevin Costner was the actor. He was a pitcher. 
the one that said clear the mechanism. Oh, and is that mechani- Bull Durham? No, it's not Bull Durham. It wasn't Bull no? Durham. Because that wasn't Kevin Costner. That was, uh, it wasn't Kevin Costner. Oh. Uh, hold on. Ready? Um, but anyway, so what do you think? I'll, I'll pull it up while you're answering. Best, da- I, best dance outfit, Joel Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and he doesn't even have to change. Like, no, that's he right. Wears yeah, it already. exactly. Okay. That, I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. Best dance outfit <laughs> yeah. would go to Joel. Joel, um, I, I think, part of me, MPO. I don't know, man. MPO I, I, or FPO. I could see Sarah Holcomb getting down. I think. I think she could like. Holcomb, no, okay. Not, not necessarily like ballroom dancing or anything like that. I just think like having a, like a party, like good time, like right. not giving a rip about, yep. you know, I think she, she could probably hook him. Okay. I like that. Yeah. I think she has a pretty carefree attitude just to get down and get loose. Um, and MPO, man, hard to think. Mm. I'll get my FPO while you're thinking. Okay. Um, I think Kona. Mm. And I think it's only because recency bias I had um, was scrolling through her Instagram okay. when she got picked up by Dee Dee. And I'm pretty sure she has a couple like party pics in there okay. like, where she's out in like a dress dancing or something like yeah. that. And I was like, oh, I see her as being someone. Um, I can go MPO first. Sure. Chris Clemens. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Uh, that's too one. obvious, but it's good. I'm gonna go James <laughs> Conrad. I think. Oh, you think so? He but he's a juggler. I know for sure. Um, I think I've heard him say that he goes to quite a few music festivals, okay. and that he and his girlfriend travel around when they're you know in between or you know whatever yeah. city it is. They that's a lemonade to, thing too. Yeah. So what uh, what genre of dance hmm. are you thinking? Are we thinking like EDM? Yeah, like get that, crazy and I could see James Conrad being more of a bluegrass like kind of mm-hmm. that kind of scene. But Chris Clemens, I know, I think he gets yeah, down to EDM. The EDM. Yeah, yeah. And even Eagle, Eagle listens to a lot of EDM music. I don't know mm-hmm. if he's much of a dancer, but I know that he does listen to yeah, yeah, electronic music. <laughs> I, I could see Eagle breaking it down a yeah. little bit, <laughs> doing a little Fortnite reenact. Oh yeah. What about? Eric Oakley. Okay. I don't know why I see him as a dancer for some reason. Cause I think he just like all inhibitions. I, I want to see Eric on his Twitch channel, get down when he's playing <laughs> Fortnite some night. Like exactly. some music. Like, if he wins one, he has yeah. to a couple celebration it, dances. Yeah, something. I'm good with that. Um, so you hear your folks just Eric, you have to do it now. Um, yeah, I think those are two. So I, I'm going to, well, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like there's I know there's there's a like a group that kind of like travels around together that goes to a lot of festivals together. Okay. I think um Kevin Jones goes to festivals. Okay. Paige Pearson, Alyssa Do, they yeah. go to stuff. I'm trying to think of who else. James Conrad for sure kind of travels in that group. Yeah, I don't know who else. Who do you think would have the best signature move? Oh, doesn't that like all together doesn't have to, but who'd have the best signature move? Mm. I, you know, cause there's always that guy that has the one dance yeah. that they practiced. Yeah. Like I can crib walk, like nobody's Ooh. business. I barely dance in my own wedding. Yeah. But crib walk. <laughs> okay. Got it. Um, cause I was, ta- I was actually taught by somebody how to, Really? Yeah. I mean, like, no, 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 man. You gotta like. It was so fun to learn, and he was so into it. Like, he's like, no, you have to learn. Like this, he was like one of my best friends I've ever ever had in my life. Um, He 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 has since been dispatched from this world, but um, he uh, (laughs) it was so funny because I remember standing there, and he was like. You got more soul than that, Shane. <laughs> oh like, boy, what? that's a call. What are you saying? Out. I'm doing bad. He's like, no, no. This is you know. It was so fun to learn that. But anyways, um, yeah, I don't. I so so you always have the guy that does like the worm. Yeah, you know, there's always that. Yeah. there's one guy um, or girl. So <laughs> I'm gonna. I have to be mean. It's not gonna be mean, but it's it, Drew Gibson. 
I oh, feel yeah. like he's that guy. He has the <laughs> one move that he can do really well. <laughs> and he wants to show it off. Yeah. And then he's out. Okay. <laughs> I could see Thomas Gilbert maybe doing that. You think so? Okay. Yeah. Pull out like the shopping cart or the spring. Something like that. Just, <laughs> he's like, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Peace out. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I like those. So, all right. Um, rate us, review us, like us, follow us, share us. Yeah. Do all that fun stuff. All um, that fun stuff. Yep, so we are available basically on any podcasting app there is um, through any avenue. Um, Rate us and review us on Apple. Give us a five-star or don't. Just give us something. Um, Let us know you're listening to us. Leave us a review. And um, where can they find you? Uh, One night dot owl, and that is on Instagram. All right, on Instagram. It's door underscore disc underscore golf. Or Door Disc Golf Store on Facebook and on TikTok now, we have Door Disc. So come and find us there. And if you just want to shop and enjoy some of the awesome merchandise we have, doordiscgolf.com or doordisc.com. And uh, you can also visit us if you're ever up in the uh, Wisconsin area. You come out to Silver Creek or you want to go to Silver Cup, do anything like that. We're just up the road, so about an hour, hour and a half of drive. You can come visit us there, or if you just want to see my pretty face. <laughs> Maybe not so pretty, but if you want to see my face. <laughs> all right. Um, hope you're enjoying all the Vegas content that I'm putting out, and I'm making this promise now before I'm even doing it, but I'm pretty sure you're going to enjoy every bit of it, or you're enjoying every bit of it right now. We're talking into the present. Um, and I think that's it, right? Shane from the future. <laughs> exactly, yes. This is Shane from about nine days from now or eight days from now so no exactly one week from now no nine days so (laughs) hope you enjoyed that little segment i thought you'd know better you're from the future (laughs) i I am (laughs) oh man (laughs) i'm not like the simpsons (laughs) all right well have a good day and peace